Hello and welcome to Football 360 One to One. I'm delighted to say that this week I've got a guy who is an international mindset guru. Um, that's the that's the description that I've seen of him. But uh, he's he's he's, uh, he's someone who is having a, a really really wide reaching impact on the game on the people within the game. Uh, Steve Salis is uh, an author. Uh, he's a former vice principal of an inner London school. He's a former academy footballer and coach. Uh, and he has had a number of engagements in the game, currently working with the Scottish FA, delivering coach education, uh, currently working with Northampton Town's first team, uh, previously working with, with many other clubs, including AFC Wimbledon's first team. Um, Steve's experience, knowledge and passion for football, uh, learning and the development of everyone within the football ecosystem is almost unrivaled in my experience. Uh, a mutual friend of ours said uh, to me that every time he speaks to Steve, he always gets him thinking. And um, he, is, uh, he is someone who challenges, challenges you. When you speak to him, when, when I listen to him on other podcasts, and he's been on many more, more, uh, more famed podcasts than this one, um, I, uh, he always challenges me, he always stretches my, my boundaries and makes me think about my own approach to, to, to football, to life, to sport, to parenthood. Um, and developing young people is right at the heart of, of what, he, what, what his passion is. Um, he's got unbelievable intellect, unbelievable experience. Um, he's, a real, he's a real world guy, um, so he's certainly not a, a, th a theorist who, who can't apply um, the, the theory in a real world environment and he's got lots of experience of doing that as I say particularly with work, working within a London schools where I think he, he would say that he probably has learned, learned more than he has anywhere else uh, I think you're really going to enjoy this, this, this one sit back, be ready to be challenged um, and um, yeah I, uh, I, I, can't, I can't recommend um, looking into Steve's, Steve's life's work a little bit more um, when you finish listening to this one enjoy Good evening and welcome to Football 360 One to One. I'm delighted to be joined by Steve Salis on this episode. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you, Kev. Looking forward to, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about, really. We'll talk about probably random things. We'll, there'll be some random stuff in there. I'll try and guide it in the right direction, but I'm pretty sure that um, you might be best, uh, your best version might be a freestyle Salis. Probably. Let's, let's see how we go. Looking forward to it. Right, let's get into the warm-up then to start off with. So, Let's find out a little bit about your um, your football preferences. First of all, your favourite player ever? Oh, probably, because I didn't read the questions properly on purpose, you know. So probably <laughs> Gaza or Baggio. OK, and why? Um, just my dad always used to say to me I played with flair. So couldn't obviously do what either those two did. But I was obsessed with Gaza when he was at Newcastle before he even became mainstream. Because yeah. of the shoot and match magazines we used to watch, and yeah. and Baggio because he played Fiorentina, and I just loved that purple kit. And um, I represented uh, a sort of an England under fourteen um, eleven in Italy in the nineteen ninety after the World Cup tournament wow. in Italy. So yeah, so um, I was well familiar with all the Italian football before. I think it hit Channel Four around then as well, maybe. Yeah, um, I really remember, but yeah, those two players, mate. Yeah, very good. I like that. I mean, Gaza particularly, massive inspiration to a lot of people my age, that's for sure. He was yeah. an incredible player and we're still probably seeking to try and develop another Gaza, aren't we? We're still, what, 30 years later. So, um, yeah, great one. Okay, 
your favourite team, Evan, and what I mean by that is not the team you support or supported, um, but your favourite 11 players. One moment in time when a team of 11 players out there on the grass just impressed you and kind of captivated you you in terms of you know how, how they express themselves and, and what you prefer to see in a, in a football team. Uh, honestly, I probably you probably hear Barcelona, don't you, and all these teams, but uh, Brighton, Brighton probably think 87, 88 team, third division got promoted and uh, they were the team that brought football to life for me really with, I can name the whole of that team. Go on, <laughs> go on, let's go, let's go through some of them quickly. Yeah, well, they played 4-4-2 and I had two forwards called Kevin Bremner and Gary Nelson. Gary Nelson yeah. wrote probably the first football autobiography called Left Foot Forward and he was a journeyman. I've got, um, I've got, I've got both his books. Yeah. So, so anyway, just, just um, being an attacking player myself, and and seeing those players, and and being in the North Stand at Brighton and the old stadium, and yeah. So there's nothing purist about it, Kev. It was just, it was just my club, my hometown team. Uh, we played Arsenal. I remember in the fourth round of the FA Cup, uh, and that season we we equalised. We lost two one at home. And uh, I remember getting to the ground for one o'clock, being front because I wasn't very tall. You know, we had, you had my nose against the fence, um, you know. And yeah, so really, I know that's not very purist, but that, that's the team that I love because um, they uh, had a guy at centre-half called Doug Rugby that had Scottish yeah. and he come down from that He'd been at Chelsea, yeah. So yeah, a bit of everything. But um, yeah, just, just love that team, really. They're my club, but I love that team. Brilliant. What a great answer. That That is... That's the most normal answer I've had from anyone. Um, generally, it's been, you know, like you say, the Barcelona's or I don't know, United or whatever. So I, I, I love that. It's a great answer. Okay, final question: the warm-up. There's a uh, a make-believe game between two of the of the most kind of talent-laden sides in the world. So no, unlimited budget, all the best stars in the world in, in within these two teams. You have to pick a manager. So let's say you, you take on the role as a chairman. You have to pick a manager to prepare the team for, for one game, for a cup final, to win a game of football. Who do you go for? That is an unbelievable question. Immediately, I thought Pep. First one that came to my mind. But if you go we're back... Not, we're not building something here. We're, we're, you're preparing a team. Yeah, yeah. But I, I would still probably say him. Um, yep. I don't know, Jose. I mean, I, I'm not a lover of Jose, as people know. Mr. Marino is not one of my favourites, but for one game, you'd probably probably do it. Um, yep. I, I think the great managers for me, um, like in the modern day, Klopp is is my is my favourite. He always has been. Um, but you know, I'm thinking of all the past managers. I'm just trying to reflect on you know, Renus Meikles and those people. But for one game to win it, if I actually go to one game to win it, I'd probably go Fergie. Yeah, that's. I mean, that, that that one's come up a few times. Yeah, we've had just, Mourinho, we've had Pep, we've had. We, I mean, Mourinho's probably the one that most people, you know, automatically say, "Well, someone is just going to shit out you a, a win and get you the get you the trophy." You've got half a chance with him, haven't you? Um, yeah, but let's go and, back to the Italians: Saki, Capello. Yeah. You probably yeah. want to, you know, if you go back for the history, you probably want an Italian, wouldn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, it's. it's Look, it's it's one of those questions, isn't it? But you know, to, you're not building something. Like say, you're going in there and you're just gonna you just got to get a result. So, yeah, Italians have been pretty good at that over the years. So, um, yeah. But I, I think the funny thing about that question is it's about as far away from what you hold dear, I would suggest, as we can get with, with a question in terms of uh, you know just being being that cold and that. Um, that focused on 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 the 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 result rather than the process. 
Um, yeah, do you know what? On that, on that one, Kev, don't think people underestimate me there. Uh, obviously, we don't know each other well, well. Yeah. I, I'm ruthless about winning, um, but ruthless about winning with first-team players. Um, yeah. And we actually talked off air about my on-and-off-the-pitch personality and the adaptability of your personality in my school time. So I, actually, Kev, I... Uh, at first team level, we you know on Northampton we got we got Walsall on Saturday. I will want to win bad, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you, you're right. Apologies if I uh, yeah if I, if, if I if I did you a disservice there. Um, it's not just about process; it is about result. And like you say, it's about context, right? Isn't it? The, you know, the, the answer that a lot of people will give you is well, it depends depends. You know, whether I'm working with a team of twelve year olds or you know first team who there's jobs on the line and there's a, you know you win you stay up you lose. You lose, you go down, and people lose their jobs. I mean, that's that's results football, right? Yeah, but I also think that the word emotional intelligence and that connection. I said this to a friend yesterday. I don't even know who it was. I said I will be really serious from about half past one to probably about six o'clock driving home, just two hours to get back to London from Northampton. And yeah. by six o'clock, I'll be fine again. But for those five hours, I'm at work. And if you know, obviously in charge of mindset at the football club with the staff and the players. And if we don't do well, I'm more likely to get sacked. So, yeah. you know, we, we, not me, we want to win and I want to win from a selfish point of view because I want us to get promoted. But from a team point of view, because I want us to apply what's being taught and and that process driven, you know, approach is, is need, it does need an outcome to give you confidence, doesn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, OK, understood. Good, good points, good points. We'll probably come back to certainly the gaffer there at some stage in the, in the discussion. Um, so let's start off with with coaches. Uh, you know the, the the audience that we have here generally is 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 people who are in, in, interested in the game, but more from a coaching perspective. So, what profile would you say is uh, is required in the modern day um, to be a coach working working in the game? And again, you know context is key. Ages, you know, age groups, you know, the, and, and senior senior responsibilities are slightly different. But just in general. From, from from football coaches wanting to work in a professional game, what kind of profile do you think is required for for this this day and age? Mm, I'm just going to touch on this. It's a bit of an abstract answer to start with, but there's there's as good a coaches in some non-league clubs as there are in pro clubs. Um, yeah. They either haven't been given the luck, or they can't be bothered, or they haven't got the bureaucracy of getting on the A license because a lot of them can't get on the A license at the moment. Um, yeah. So, so I know you know the non-league game's improving at a major rate. I'm a lover of the non-league game because I played it and I've coached in it. Um, I get a little bit of stick for this. Um, I think there's a smallest gap there's ever been between Conference South and League Two, Conference North and League. Sorry, Conference South and League One and Conference North and League One. Uh, yeah. People will bat me for it, but I'm going to stick by it because I think the players at that level could, with a bit of luck, um, could could play. So anyway, I know the question. Yeah, I know the questions about managers. Number one in my book is, is self-awareness. If if that is is embedded, um, and what does self-awareness encompass? It, it encompass um, an ability to listen really well. Um, it encompasses an ability to know your super strengths and know your areas for development. It encompasses a unique ability to apply an expert, hire an expert. So you go and get people to do things that you want to do. And, and Bullard was brilliant at Leverhead because um, you'll laugh at this, you know, the manager picks the team and the assistant manager does the set pieces because that's always been done. And when he 
when when he uh, said to me, Sally, you're sorting set pieces out. I went, no, I'm not. And he went, what are you talking about? And I went, I'm not. I went, I'm shit at set pieces. And he like battered me. And he went, what assistant manager doesn't see set pieces? I said, welcome to my world, Jimmy. I said, we do what suits our super strengths. So yep. you're better at set pieces than me. So you do the set pieces. I'll sort out, you know, the, the out of possession stuff. I'll sort out, you know, dovetailing off your team talks. I'll sort out all the one-to-ones with players and all the units. And I'm just bored of this institutionalised thinking of ticking boxes. And I'm not. And the reason, that, and that reason, I'm not going to blag and set pieces is because why would I do it if I'm not very good? And you can do it if you are good. Like it just, just doesn't make sense. So yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just chucking common sense really. Just chucking a leadership sort of um, toolbox on its head and just saying, look, what are we both great at, and can we align that to to help the team win games? So yeah, self-awareness, lifelong learners. But Kev, you know as well as I do, there'll be a professional manager if they ever listen to this. I'll say self-awareness. They'll go yeah, yeah, and then they'll talk over someone for the next thirty years anyway, won't they? Let, so, so, so let me go into a little bit more on this one then, and you've, you've kind of given me a nice segue there. I've asked you what profiles required for the modern day game, but what are the bad traits that are gradually moving out of the game that you're glad to see the back of? Um, well, we're changing. We always say football's changing, society's changing. So, um, Generation Z, uh, I think, was twenty, yeah, yeah, two thousand. I think Generation Z was, and next generation. Was, yeah. yeah. So, so we're, we're football's a byproduct of society. So, what's what's being left is you know autocratic, draconian leaders are now getting found out. You know, people that have got one tool, which is a shower lot tool. They're getting found out. Um, I'm in a brilliant position in the football industry because I'm hearing stories from clients that are my players, and they're telling me stories about their managers. Um, and I know lots of things about lots of managers in working professional football. Um, I know lots of good and I know lots of bad. So yeah. I'm in a position. And, that, and and to be fair, my clients aren't wallies as well. I'm going to stick up for my players here. They're not, you know, telling me, you know, fibs and telltales and. And, and you know and, and moaning and whinging you know my work is very solution focused and I choose to work with players very emotionally intelligent and when they talk, talk to me about a problem I, I say what's the solution but we have got managers out there Kev genuinely that are not even saying hello to their players in the morning yeah we've got managers that are not eating food with their team and they're eating them in the office we've got managers that are still you know nicking a living right nicking a living for whatever reason and I think it's about time that CEOs um, become more adept at, at looking at themselves, right? Because that's self-awareness to then appoint a manager, um, which is truly people focused. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think, listen, I think it's changing. Tactically, all these managers have changed massively. They're much more educated on the game. Um, what, where I think the biggest gap is, though, I'm seeing a lot of academy coaches maybe get to first team level and they're still coaches and not in a rude way to them. I see from the outside, they can't manage men. So, and, th- and this is why I'm backing Watlin here. I'm going to put my hat in the ring with him because Watlin's a Lewisham boy and he's from a council estate and he didn't play pro, but his coaching's decent. It's on the money. But what Harry does, he's good with men. And he is, a, you know, I hate saying it like men, but he could handle a group of men. And, and I'm, I'm seeing a lot of coaches that are still, you know, the players tell me this as well that I work with, you know, they're saying that they're very still academy-like. And I and I think that, that that is a missing link for a lot of coaches that want to go to first-team level. They can't handle the man's changing room. Totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, I think, you know, having kind of progressed from 
play into coaching and because I had a personality that was along those lines, if you know what I mean. Um, whenever I, I, I worked with younger coaches who were, you know, they were grouped as laptop coaches, uh, a lot of them did, were scared of their own shadow. And that in itself is, is something that you've got to address one way or another if you're going to work at a higher level of the game. Um, but it, it's interesting when you talk about um, the old school, yeah, not 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 saying hello to people I, I get, but I, I also think it's quite layered this this one because you've seen examples where supposed dinosaurs have gone into clubs and for a certain demographic of players they've brought out and I tell you the player that I've got in mind at the moment. I'm a Middlesbrough fan and Duncan Watmore left the club yesterday on deadline day and he's not your your average footballer. He, he played for Altrincham. I think went to Sunderland from Altrincham. Uh, university educated, um, an absolute credit to every football club he's played for in terms of what he, what he puts in. But it was Neil Warnock who brought out the best in in Duncan Watmore. And this is an educated young man, um, emotionally as well, able to communicate and um, and articulate his feelings, articulate you know what you need to as a human being, probably better than some footballers can. And um, you know, he I think attributes you know this fantastic kind of resurgence in his career down down to Neil Warnock, and he isn't he he you know he he is a guy who obviously has been able to connect with many players over the years. Plenty of people I know have played for him, and, and they've loved him. And there's also a few who've hated him. Um, but my point to all that is, I think there's too many people who will. Um, pigeonhole certain managers and not give them the credit for the layers in their personality, some of which you, you try and replicate with young coaches today, in my opinion, anyway. What do you think about that? Well, listen, first and foremost, Neil Warren up to Miles better manager than me and a Miles better manager than you. Firstly, because we've never been in a level, we ain't won anything in our life. So who are we to say anything? You know, these That's Twitter keyboard warriors say anything about anything about anything he has lived it and won matches so i have no i have no qualm at all about you know you know we listen social media has changed the world more than anything else um a bit of social science for you Mourinho came in in 2004 to chelsea facebook came in 2004 so we've got all of these little social science you know how it's connected um, yeah. and Yes, he was a breath of fresh air and he did change, you know, first person to play 4-3-3 three, three, really. Um, but going back to people like Warnock, uh, as soon as you talked about him, I, I said less is more. Um, and that's not in any way being derogatory, but but when you know your audience and, and Warnock is not an idiot, he's been promoted seven, eight times or whatever, right? he knows his audience. So who are we to say that his methods aren't working? However, society's changing at that rapid rate. I'm just not sure that that would or will work now with certain players. We can't, listen, it's such a, it's such a quandary of, of, of variables. You can't just say it will work, it won't work. Like, who am I to say that exactly. manager's crap? That, what I'm trying to say is, is that the more tools you've got, the more choice. Now, but that's a bit of an oxymoron. I'm going to contradict myself. We do say um, a little knowledge is dangerous, right? So you've only got one tool. But actually, I think what we're seeing now is a lot of knowledge is dangerous because people are, are you know, they're textbook coaches. But I suppose linking to my super strength, I, I back myself with a human being to human being 
not because I think I know better anymore, but when I said experience or experiences, I have just got years and years and years of developing problems, sorry, creating solutions to problems just for yeah. people. And, and you know, you know my background. I worked in, in four failing schools in South London and not only difficult people, very dysfunctional people. Yeah. And, and, and that means that my softness and my soft side and my and my you know putting my ego in my pocket and and asking these children how i can help them and if i pick that up and say that to a football player and i say it with a soft voice and i, and I put my arm on their shoulder and i say how can i help you and how do you feel those skills are no different yeah. but but whatever reason people just think they are like oh you're a school teacher no no Go in a school and try and be effective in a school. It ain't that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, I really, you know, I, I can't, I can't say, I can't um, empathise with you completely there. But I understand exactly what you're saying, and um, you know, I think it brings us on to when you talk about how transferable, you know, the skills of of, of a coach. Just use, I think Mickey Beals, a brilliant example. Of you know a beacon in the in the industry in the game, someone who started why, out. Why simply. is that, Kev? Why is that? Um, because I think, well, a lot of the human, a lot of the emotional intelligence you need to be a uh, to be a successful coach with a young kid um, and with a first team footballer, I, I I feel like he's got. Now, don't get me wrong, I don't sit in the changing room with him, um, but he's already starting to demonstrate the results. Um, and had, yeah, he, he, there's no doubt about it. It's not a coincidence that they had success at Rangers with him and Gerard and McAllister and, and others. Um, and I, I just think, I think he's a very rounded individual who's got the football knowledge. He, he feels football the same as, as as you do when it comes to you know recalling the Brighton on the Charlton side from the mid '80s. He's, he has that that foundation within his that, that that means that he can he can identify with other people in the game and. Tactically, coaching-wise, you know, coaching-wise, he's right up there, right, in, on the grass. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and he's also a brilliant ambassador for a football club as well. So, you know, the, you, you think of a Brennan Rogers or, um, you know, maybe an Ancelotti or someone like that. You know, he's, I think he's not far off the full package. What I don't know, Steve, is is exactly how players feel about them when they've been around him for a long time. I suspect I do, but I only suspect I do. I don't know for sure. So that's why. Yeah, and listen, I, I just think the game now, if you can't coach well, I call it a downgrade, don't I? Right, so so if if if, if these kids now are coming through, you know, the top clubs, not even Cat 1 clubs, can be any club, you get great coaches, all these levels, and they've got top-end coaches at 14s, 15s, 16s, and they get to 18s, and they've got top-end coaches, and they get to 23s, and the geezer's leaving at half-past two because he can't be over to do the PMA, and then he doesn't care as much. And then they get to first-team level. These players know what downgrade coach is now. They're not idiots. Yeah. So I say this on every single podcast I'm on, you know, don't be the downgrade because because kids have never been stupid, and kids turn into adults, and those adults are then not stupid. So first-team coaches now have got to be very careful if they don't do what the kid has experienced for the last seven, eight years in terms of assessment for learning, duty of care, proper top-end teaching and learning, right? That coach is an immediate downgrade and they haven't even thought about it because I don't think about anything but just whatever they think about. And, and yeah. you know, I'm working with managers and the ones I'm working with, sadly, only only one has been sacked 
and the rest I mentor, they're in a job because I'm teaching them about leadership, right? Not about football, not about overloads, not about 3v2s, not about tactics, but about emotions about themselves, emotions about others, about servant leadership, flat hierarchy for their backroom staff, and all of this language that no person would have a clue what it means. And I'm saying, look, that is how you have to lead. Zooming in, zooming out, co uh, cognitive bias, you know, all of this stuff that that I am that confident that it would add value to a football manager. I'm, with you. I'm, I'm that confident. It's, 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 funny, it's funny when you say that, because one of the notes I made down here was about education and intellect. I'm, I'm a graduate. I've had a reasonable career in my line of work. Um, yeah. And yet when I hear you speak, it's a little bit intimidating on a podcast because your references to theory um, make me think, shit, I don't know that. And I don't completely know what he's talking about. When So what, what I wrote down here was, is football more open now to understanding those, those models, that, that theory, those references that you use? And it must be because you're doing it. And um, my, my um, shortcomings and, and my slight almost paranoia around that is probably a reflection of where I've been in the game a long time ago or a good few years ago mm. and, and my own weaknesses and shortcomings. But my, I also anticipate that there are more people like me out there who still have positions of power, responsibility, influence in the game. So, you know, like I said, the question I wrote was, is football more open now? Uh, well, firstly, thanks for sharing what you've said. Um, I've got a tone about me, I know I have, right, about that, you know, how I say things is very um, assertive. And and you saying that, you know, is it more open, linking to me and, and my self-awareness? I think I need to become a little bit softer. I think okay. I think I'm probably Marmite by some people, but I'm Marmite and I know why I am. It's actually people miss my tone. I give a shit, right? And there's too many people that yeah. don't give a shit. Yeah, and and I don't know why I'm like that, Kev. Really, other than other than being a school teacher and caring more than the teacher down the corridor, I'm not any better than the teacher down the corridor. But when I say when I do the My Future Self project, which is as you know the mindset project in schools, I say to the kids, I'm not brainy, but I love learning, and they look at me like I've got three heads. Yeah, and I say I'm not brainy, but I love learning. Yeah, and they look at me like I've got two heads. And it's, I can see their brain going, I'm not brainy, but I love learning. Now, I my super strength is that, here we go, you can see up there, look, look at all those books up there, look. Yeah. There, okay. So that's my super strength, is, is, is that I just, I just think, I'm in this position, you know, as a vice principal in a school as I was, to, to truly influence people for life, if I don't improve myself, I'm an idiot. Right, so we used to ram lifelong learning down the kids' throats. So how can how can I ask children to be lifelong learners if I don't do it myself? So I don't. A guy, a guy at um, golf yesterday said, Salis, he said, you got to give yourself a head clearance. He said you're too humble in this room. He said you don't realise how much you know. And I was like, really, like no, no. But he said no, people, you don't realise like what you know. But my point is, is that. The super strength that I have, I obviously got my degree and then did my MA. And my MA changed my life, Kev. So I did an MA in educational psychology and leadership. 
Right. Right. So I'm reciting servant leadership and flat hierarchies and, and Lencioni models and Jahari windows and Tuckman's forming, storming, norming, performing. I'm not I'm not just saying it like a, you know, like the typical manager. Yeah. I, I live this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So that's you know, yeah, but but what what I'm trying to say is I've got all this stuff to, you know, so when you say he's a football industry trained in Scottish FA. Have have really looked after me, and I do all their pro license, all the A license, all the B license, all the C license. All right? People in football call me a sports psych. As you know, I'm not a sports psych. I'm got a sports psych masters. So you know, wherever we want to go down that ambiguous route, I am just me, and I'm doing my best to help managers and players, and I'm trying to make the game more ethical and more moral. And uh, and I believe that I believe, and I said this to people that I mentor, there's still a place for the good guy in football. So the Chris Shootons, the Graham Potters, you know, and I'm saying to managers, yeah, you know, don't, don't, don't conform to the bollocks that goes on in the game and still be ethically sound because when you're not in the room and people talk about you in a good way, that is your legacy. I, I agree. Um, it's interesting because that is no different to any, any other any other pursuit in life, right? Your 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 reputation is what other people think about think of you, but your character is actually who you are. And you know, we we've all been well. I'm saying we've all. I have been worried about my reputation at times in in life in general, many years ago, admittedly. Um, and again, I think that's a hallmark of a game that probably no longer exists or very or or is gradually, you know, working its way out of the system as as life and human nature changes um so yeah i think i think there's that you know those those changes and those insecurities that then bring about your your, your wish to try and project a reputation um you know more and more people probably need your approach and and to, to just to go back to the theory i i like I say it, it wasn't a criticism at all it was it was like say a reference to probably where I am as I'm, I'm no, the opposite, no. by the way, I'm, the yeah. opposite. I'm not a lifelong learner, I, I, not consciously. I, I'm learning all the time. Of course I am, but I'm not. I don't consciously plan out my own days, weeks, months, years to attain knowledge. I just do because I'm doing day in, day yeah. out. It's a different, it's a different okay. thing. And I, I know. But again, listen, horses for courses, mate. We're all on our own journey. Exactly. I, I, I have to be cutting edge in my world. Cutting edge is a wanky word, yeah. but I'm working with 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 people in you know corporate training. I've got a head teachers conference next week. You know, I'm, I'm and I'm a little bit nervous about that head teachers conference because I know what I'm going to get when I walk in the room, and I've got to impress you know 120 senior people. And, and they'll be no different to the man on the street or the woman on the street. It'll be a third, a third, and a third. A third will be over me, a third will be in the middle, and a third at the bottom. But the reason I'm so theoretical, because i am obviously got quite a cockney accent and people think I'm stupid, but the reason I'm so theoretical is because you go, don't agree with Steve Sale, it's not a problem, right? But you can't argue with a theory. You can't yeah. argue with, with his toolbox. And, and, and even when I, was, when I was a vice principal, I'm dealing with people that were very well-spoken, and looking at me, like in the first instance, fucking hell, I haven't met a guy like him before, but he's in football now because, you know, I am a former footballer. But at that time, I had a lot of battles with perception, you know, people's perception, people's prejudgment. Um, going into Millwall, you're just a school teacher. What do you know? All those classics. And, yeah. you know, I've had, you know, just some clear, like I've had my own battles here. 
So, but the, the controllables, Kev, of the battles are me become more knowledgeable. Knowledgeable. I think my major super strength is that I've lived it. I struggle with people that call themselves consultants and haven't lived it. I struggle yeah. with people that call themselves whatever they call themselves, you know, gurus, whatever. They haven't lived it. Yeah. I haven't actually gone anywhere and worked for five years, you know, in an environment, business, sport, education, and got the T-shirt. And, uh, yeah, and sorry to interrupt you. The final thing I had, last job, 23 girls refusing to go to science at half past eight on a Monday morning. Just, they ain't going in the class. So the average football manager has got 30 lads that genuinely want to be there. Yeah, 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 I agree. The, um, the, the process that you go through there, um, in terms of dealing with that, it's about your authenticity though, Steve, right? I mean, this, we're, we're veering a little bit and I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to get back to questions in a minute, but it's really interesting conversation. But it's about your authenticity, right? So you, you, you layer the theory with having lived it, with that Cockney accent, which adds, I think, something to it rather than takes away from it. And for me, just my perception of you is, is a combination of those things and, and most importantly someone who cares and gives a shit so you put all those things together and that's why your your, your reputation you know which like i say is is not always the, a reputation isn't necessarily a true reflection but in my experience of what i've read about you what i've taken in, in from the content you've created and you've contributed to and in our conversations a guy who is super authentic who cares and as you've done the reading, you've got the experience. I mean, you, you're, you're highly qualified to do what you do. Whereas, like you say, a guru comes in. I, I mean, look, I've been in the dressing room when someone's come in, supposed sports psych, and they probably haven't got the academic, you know, theory to back it up. And they definitely haven't got the life experience to back it up. And they crumble and the players take the piss and it's, it's just a useless ex exercise. That doesn't happen with you, I, I, I assume. My, my my guess is that even if you have a, a, a bit of a prickly re response or reception initially, that you win them over because you are who you are. So anyway, yeah. listen, I'm one of those folk up to us. So. No, no, we're, no. The I, 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 thing is, another thing is people don't, don't know this. My content is power, mate. I've got, I got, you know, my book's coming out in the summer. New book. My content is power, Kev, and I'm not saying that lightly. I've got content which would change people's life if they let it. Yeah, I've shared some of it already, but I think again, you know, I've got a chapter in my old book, The Singer, Not The Song, right? So the song's the content, the song's your subject knowledge. I'm working in South London, and as you know, kids will go to me after one year teaching care, sir, your lessons are shit, mate, right? That hurt me, bad, yeah? And then I've got a decision to make. I either leave and crumble, or I call all my mates up, and say, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? You know, best coaches are the best thieves. And I'll become a better PE teacher because I'm just stealing knowledge from people that, you know, everyone knows more than someone, right? Yeah. So that's that's stage one. But then the content that I've got, you know, is that powerful. You know, when I went into Cardiff, I had the whole squad, I had all the staff. I said tomorrow that I want I want the the best room we can find. I've got a horseshoe, I've got all the lads in a horseshoe. It was meant to last 45 minutes. We were there for an hour and 45 minutes because everyone's just gone, I don't, I can't believe what I've just seen. You know, I don't want to give away all my little gold nuggets and I won't, but until people see 
what I talk about are mainly about the lens and how I see the world is not how you see the world. Because if we don't get that bank of self-awareness in a football team, we, it doesn't matter what I say. So all no. I need to do is weird people out in a good way, go, oh my God, what are you looking at? And they're looking at each other going, what are you looking at? They go, we're looking at, and all I say to each other is, you know, and lads at Wimbledon, love my time at Wimbledon, but I say, lads, unless you've got something to add value at halftime, shut your fucking mouths because you're literally no. devaluing this halftime moment. And if we're going to be serious about professions, you know, and I brought in the chimp paradox and yeah, so I've got like, you know, I brought in uh, great stuff. Managers, Kev, this is one of my favourite things I've ever talked to a team or managers. I've called it momentum, right? Stop, start, continue. How do we start it? How do we stop it? How do we continue it? Yeah, we have done. Well, we've done, it's not, you saying go on. That's, that's, that's for the players to sort out, mate. That's for the staff to sort out. I'm just a man that gives this, you know, another question, not an answer, and says, look, how are we going to be aligned with starting momentum, stopping it and continue it? What are we going to do when we're going to go or go down? Because most teams go, they chase. They Absolutely, chase. Yeah. And they chase. And they go two down, it's game over. Yeah. So, 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 yeah. So, anyway. so, so but what does it stop me? What does it stop? I've got the, I've well, got the other two. Well, do we stop momentum? So someone's battering you. You know, before you start it, you got to stop it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm with so you. you know, it's it's yeah. So anyway, I can see your face going bloody hell. Yeah. What's that mean? Happy days because yeah, no, 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 it's, it's, yeah, it, yeah. It, it takes me back to uh, something I used to do on a whiteboard, which basically said, "This is how this is how we start." It was, it was, it was but it was me. It wasn't the players doing it. Bear in mind, this is this is in a non-league game, and um, so the, the, this is how we start. This is how we continue. This is our identity. This is how we're going to get out and whatever. But then the final thing was always down to the game situation. So do you put your foot on the gas? Do you hold what you've got? Or are you somewhere in between? Is the game in the balance? And that those decisions have to be made by the players. Um, and it was just a, it was one of those visual kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Visual. Reminders. Remind, yeah, just yeah, just just reminders. They're going out the change room. What's my responsibility here? What we what we, what is our identity? And this is what will will happen. And all of us have to make a decision uh, about judging what where the game's at in that moment. So so yeah, it, that it brings me back to that a little bit. But um, yeah, if you if you go in, I'm not giving enough ownership to the players there. I wasn't giving enough ownership to the players. You are, and you probably got better results long term out of, out of that method. No, no, well, listen. My job is to facilitate it and then align it. So I say, with alignment, we create clarity, and misalignment, we create chaos. And if I have a pound for how many times football clubs and teams are misaligned, um, what is said by the manager and what is heard by the players, and and vice versa, and the real super strength. All I've done, my business and my football methodology is exactly the same. Right? It's about people. And making sure people are really aligned with what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it and why we're trying to do it and and it, this is where i'm really gonna you know reveal my vulnerability i i've said to northampton lads on my knees lads please if you don't understand something that i say i'm begging you please come and speak to me and say i ain't got a fucking clue what you're saying salis because I need you gentlemen to please feedback to me whether you understand what I'm talking about. Yeah. I don't want you to blag me. I don't want you to nod your head. I'm begging you, please tell me if you don't understand. Now, I say that, that, that sincerely because I know players 
will nod their head and I know they won't understand. Correct, yeah. So yeah. unless I change my voice and I get on my knees and I look them in the eye and I beg them, right? And and that that to me is just common sense. Like, like we not me, we're on the bus, we have to win games together. And managers keep going, I keep, oh my God, I've got my head in my hands now. Managers, I, I just remind managers all the time, you are not playing. You're not playing the game. You're not there kicking the ball. So stop having a pop and, you know, and seeing it from your lens. It's it's not about that. It's just we all win. We all lose together. And education, 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 education. I ask players what's process and outcome. They don't know, bless them. So I give them a slide and the slide says people, process equals people strategy execute you know so i'm teaching players about language kev i'm rant my work's fucking random yeah but how many managers say process but the player's not in a rude way kev i know they don't know what it means i've never i've never um questioned why your business is called solutions mindset steve uh, I've never, I've, I've just, I've just, just seen the name of that, Steve, uh, and and I think you give us a bit of insight into into why it's called that that way. Um, okay, okay. Anything else you want to cover on that before we move on? No, I just, yeah, just, just going back to learning how to learn. Like players, you know, don't know what words mean. Yeah. So unless we press the pause button and just, you know, not in a rude way, Kev, I'm mental, but managers to say words and no one knows what they're talking about. And they've got a relationship with players where players can go, oh, I don't know what that means. Like it's it's so it's so important the the, the, the consistency of vocabulary, you know, it, it's an exercise I think every organization should go through is to say these this is what when, when we say this, we mean this. When we say this, we mean that. Love and then make sure everyone it. uses the same language because Love otherwise it. you can have a problem, right? You've just given me an idea actually. Yeah, okay. Let's let's move on a little bit. Where do you think English football is in comparison to other territories or other other nations? Well, I can't I can't judge other nations because I haven't got a clue. Uh, one minute's going on, but where I think English football is, I I, I think it's in an unbelievably good place. Um, e Triple P um, qualifications don't always mean everything, but it means we've got accountability. And when you get accountability, the, the E Triple P, you've got very simple methodology. Most of my sentences are simple for a reason, but it's got rid of the blaggers. Uh, so the lazy gits that don't want to do uh, planning, but it, the problem with the EPP is stifling the innovators. So when people are putting things in evidencing, you know, a bit like Ofsted in the school, we're spending all our life evidencing, but we're not improving ourselves or the players because we haven't got time to innovate with our with our session design. So uh, anyway, that's the strategic stuff. But where we're at, as I said off air, is down the nines coaches. Uh, I just spoke to Mike Robinson tonight actually about Chelsea and I still, I still think that if you learn maths at four rather than learn maths at nine or 10 or 14, you're going to be behind and we have to get these kids. What do, I, don't, I don't want to be taken literally here because everyone's going to say, oh yeah, you know, Germany, for example, we're doing 11, 12 year olds, right? They're, they're changing their academy system to late. I'll worry about that unless they get the coaching. If the kids are getting taught properly, yeah, we yeah the earlier the better. Put it that way. Yeah, the earlier the better. The, the problem is is whether it's academy or not academy or fun or not fun. Right? You know, we we all want to make it fun. I don't care whether these kids are in academies or not in academies. I don't give two oats. But the learning has to be 
sorry, the teaching has to be absolutely on the money to create world-class players. Yeah, I, um, I, 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 I probably disagree with the rationale a little bit um, on the grounds of I've seen too many young kids travel, spend half their time in cars, half their time away from their friends, half their time away from their family, their families being away from the other members of their families at, from, from too young an age. Um, and so that's probably led me to the opinion that like I think Bill Bow and Lareal over here do, they, they go in at 13. Um, but the coach education and the alignment with the grassroots clubs is there so that the behaviours of the staff mimic what you would want to have in there and so so it's not that i disagree with you it's just that the structure that's why i i kind of went when you when you mentioned it because that that's that's something that i feel i'm not experienced enough at that level to to understand all of the dynamics that that will, will determine success or not but that that feels to me like a, a, a concern when we look at the model mm. that way around let me just uh, give me a little bit more meat to the bone if we just look at the technical corner and we're looking at Foden and we're looking at Bellingham and we're looking at, yeah, whoever, but these next batch of world-class players, right? Truly world-class they are. That's yeah. what we want, right? And I think that all the corners are huge, but at the top level now, if you are not technical and you cannot receive the ball in tight areas off the back foot, right foot, left foot, outside hooks, whatever it is, I think we're not world-class immediately, yeah? I just think we're immediately under that world-class level. So yeah. I don't care, and I can't coach under 19 useless, but I don't care whether these kids are in academy or not an academy. What I care about is uh, have they got the best football teacher, yeah? And if yeah. they've got the best football teacher, they are getting, they are getting in a place where we are, where, where they are so conditioned, right, to be efficient. Yeah, like the tennis players and like the golfers, they are getting so drilled and 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 their mechanics that that we have to do less teaching of that later on in the system. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I agree because I think, I think yeah, yeah. no, I think I just, I'm just obsessed with early intervention, Kev. So, so I worry, not in a rude way, people are a bit stupid, aren't they? We say, oh, it's, they start at 12 and 13. And I'm thinking, well, why would we start at 12 and 13? Yeah, then, then the kids fucking lost seven years of maths. Yeah, yeah. We can't yeah, afford no, to lose I'm, seven I'm, years of maths, Kev. And you know what? I'm going to. I'm not intentionally doing this, by the way, Steve. But I'm going to keep coming up with the devil's advocate. Go on. Yeah. Um, I I also see a lot of burnout on the sport in general. So um, in, in my experience, is my clothes, my lens is different to everyone else's, yeah. different to yours. Um, but I see I see a lot of kids who have had a football, you know usually led by the parents or influenced by the parents to some degree at their feet from a very young age and it comes to a point where i've had enough of this i, I need a break from it and so that's again the counter argument but listen I, you and i i think very you know probably think very much the same because I, i've said for quite some time over here to my my friends in the spanish game that 
Um, they, they produce great footballers naturally because of the environment, right? The beach, the salicor, the outdoors life. There aren't, there wasn't as many other sports to, to, to choose from until very recently, I would say, whereas perhaps 15, 20 years ago, that started to become a bit of a, a thing in the UK. So football saw a bit, start to bleed some talent. Um, but then they get into clubs here from a very young age, six, seven, eight, and they get drilled. And they go back to what you were saying before about you know that 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 drilling process that that machine like robotic you know they become quite tactical rather than playing with feel and and, and you know developing that that technical that muscle memory that those technical fundamentals that that dna as a footballer that needs to come between probably six and nine six and ten six and eleven um so and I feel so strongly that Spain is going to suffer or is suffering long term because their pool of elite players is getting smaller. And I think because of the DNA project, because of EPPP, Jed Roddy and all that stuff, and, and Pete, you know, we talked before about Pete Sturgis, Pete, the, the, the fact that we consciously almost forced that has put, the, put, put England anyway into a position where it's producing a much bigger pool of technically world-class players. Yeah, but hundred percent, and I agree with all of it. But let, this is so we're completely aligned. I'm going to go back to this pretend maths teacher, right? Yeah. This pretend maths teacher. Let's let's call him Pete. He's an absolute game changer, or she? Let's let's, let's call her Sally. She's a game changer. Yeah. And your kids, your son or daughter, has an hour with that teacher. Yeah, or three hours with another teacher that gets the same outcome in three hours as that coach teacher does in one hour right they're just better at what they do yeah and at the end of their maths lesson they go and do a languages lesson so at the end of their football lesson they go and play tennis with their friends so i'm not saying yeah this is where i'm this is me this is my ofsted and this is my vice principal Allen. i'm saying if you've got unbelievable teaching and learning going on and people keep talking about coaching, Kev, but they don't understand fundamentally about teaching and learning and assessment yeah. for learning and how we accelerate learning. I'm, you know, people think that, listen, sometimes I'm having a conversation with you and I'm, I'm actually getting fucked off with the English game because we keep talking about coaching and I'm talking about the top, 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 top coaches will enable that kid to go and play tennis and go and play rugby and do all those things because the coaching is absolutely on the money, which means they only have to do an hour and we won't get burnout. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just great teachers. Great, great teachers are enabling that kid to go, do you know what? I'm just going to go home and do my own work and stay at home with mum and dad. Yeah. Yeah. So just so we're clear, because, you know, uh, my job with school improvement was to raise standards. So until someone knows what it looks like, you know, and we've got a lot of coaches at the moment, Cat One Club at the moment, another friend of mine, Cat One Club, all the facilities, a lot of safety with coaches, all the coaches that only work to that football club, everything's nice. And he said they are miles away from the Cat Free Club that he was at. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise listen, me. Doesn't yeah, listen, me. I'm just, I'm not, that's not all clubs, we know that, mate, but I'm just, I'm talking about, I'm talking about driving standards. Yeah. yeah. And it starts, it starts with the teachers, the coaches, right? Um, and, 
you know, th this brings us on a little bit to sourcing coaches. So this is another question I've got down here. I feel really strongly, and it's probably a little bit because it's hurt me personally over the years that I've had to choose between, you know, a, a career and and my, my passion for the game. Um, and it hasn't hurt me really because it probably was the best thing for me, if I'm brutally honest. Um, I've learned that over the years. But there was a time when I had a real issue, you know, personally, and I couldn't see straight on it. But business and other industries can be a source of incredible teachers, coaches, um, people who've done it in other contexts who can transfer that into the game, in my opinion. But what do you, what do you, what, what would you be doing? If you're, you're, because you've just basically said that provided you've got the right coaches and teachers, this is how it should be done. And I 100% agree with you that the doubt in my mind is that we don't have enough of those as we've just pointed out and you've just made the, 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 the point with the cat one and cat three comparison. So how do you, how do you go about doing that final or, or not, that's not that final piece, you continue improving, but how do you make it so permanent, this improvement we've seen in the English game by sourcing the right coaches and giving the players, the, play, the, 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 the talent, the right coaches to guide them? Very straightforward strategic. CEOs stop paying first team players ridiculous money. Yeah, okay. start paying some of that money to coaches that want to stay under nines. All right, and then and then problem solved. Done. I, I can't talk about it any simpler than that. It just got top heavy, top heavy, top heavy. Everyone's assessed with a first team pound note, and you know it's just again short termism, isn't it? So do you think do you think that's enough though? I mean, just doing it in the professional game. Yeah, because the, the best. Well, no, just not, but that's that's the professional game in terms of in terms of that solution. So I was yeah, I was referring to academy football. In in terms yeah. of the grassroots football, I, I I'm not in the person to to have a solution for that, Kev, because I I don't know enough about the infrastructure and how it worked in in that environment. But a professional football club, you know, start start paying the academy coaches proper money. Yeah, yeah, which means, you know, how many academy coaches are leaving to go and do their own thing because they're picking up 25k a year, mate. So start paying academy coaches 45k a year and they can go and get a mortgage and look after their family and and, they, and then they feel valued and and they will stay fresh. And then we've got experts in the right places doing the right things and, and not thinking, I want to go and get another seven grand by being on the 16th coach. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, brilliant. It's a great answer. Can't, you know, I've I've, um, I've tried, tried to go against your your logic a couple of times. I'm not trying to go against you just naturally, but I've got there's no there's no there's no no tide coming against you on this one. Completely great great answer. Um, okay, so football and other sports. How do you think football's doing against other sports at the moment in terms of um, talent development, talent identification, and just the development of the sport? in general i mean how, how do you and, and can i just give you a bit of context there yeah go on i i am not as proud as i used to be about being associated with the game well i don't work in it full time for a reason remember <laughs> so don't feel ashamed about that um yeah. I, I, listen this is my pity teacher's head on up I, I i love all sports um you know genuinely i'm a lover of sport rather than lover of football so I, I know that there's pedagogically loads of good things in football. For example, we, we know about the four corner model. 
I say that to boxing and they go, I ain't got a clue what that means. And I'm now using the four corner model with boxing coaches. If I say the four corner model to golf pros, they go, what does that mean? And I'm applying the four corner model to golf coach education. Cricket, sorry, Cricket Club have contacted me today and said, can you do some coach education? Well, cricket players spoke to an ex-pro cricketer. Do you know about the four corner model? He says, no. He said, obviously he's heard of all those four words, but how those four words apply to learning, self-assessment, coach assessment, and how we can break down learning into smaller chunks so it's not just the generic you played well today. So, yeah. so yeah, I listen, I'm not, again, the man to judge our other things are going on in other sports. I, if I'm honest, I think, I think the problem with football is we just got a few people in the wrong place in most football clubs. If we got rid of them and we put someone really ethical in those in those places, I think football would be even further ahead in, in terms of its ethical moral processes to youth development and first team football. I mean, you couldn't make this up. I can't get in a job in academy football as, as a sports psych, as a mindset coach, because I haven't got that degree, but I can go straight into a first team environment. You know, you could you could make it up. Um, and by the way, I back myself to be in that environment, but it, it just, it's just made up rules is my point, isn't it? You know, we just got a, we just got a mismatch of, of, <coughs> of rules and, and poor strategy. So, yeah, so, so I just think that football has still got loads of long way to go. But I do think that we're now in the final third of those old school coaches that are now filtering themselves out. What I'm going to say to the new school coaches is, you, if you want to be a first team manager, you have got to understand that it won't be your coaching that get, gets you winning games. It'll be, actually, it'll be your Neil Warnock. Yeah. It'll be your coaching with your Neil Warnock. I'm, uh, I'm going to come up with a boxing example in a minute, but just before I do that, so you're... Because you've got insight into other sports, like you're saying you're not qualified to comment on other stuff, but your 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 perspective is widening with every boxing coach, cricket coach, golf coach, yeah. whatever you work with, right? Um, and are you are you learning are you learning from those sports stuff that you can bring into the game? I'm pausing. Um, because I'm thinking. Honest answer is no. Okay. Not in a so, not in a rude way. Not yet, anyway. Yeah. 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 Not, I mean, yet. Like, yeah. not not yet. Because I'm listen. I'm there to help. Them. It sounds fucking really wanky, but I'm there to help them. But they're really undernourished, mate. Yeah. Like yeah. well, you know, like so assessment. They go, what's that? I go tonality, they go, well, all right, what you mean change the voice? And I go, yeah, but what you need to change where and when? Behaviour, you know, eye contact, body language, methodology, you know, how's this connecting with your S&C department? You know, all oh, right, well, it's very silo. Okay, well, when do we blend the conversations between how your golf swing looks to your S&C guy? And is he aware of what's being required? You know, no. So, you know what I mean, Kevin? I'm just saying sensible things, really. And just my vice principal's head really, and just bringing the head of English together with the head of special needs to the head yeah. of behaviour and trying to create methodology that I would in a school to help and benefit yeah. human beings. Do you know what I mean? So it's, yeah, I will learn. I know I will, but at the moment, yeah, they're undernourished. So I've, I've got two conclusions to draw from that then. One, that football's not doing bad. No, it's all right. I promise you it is. I believe in it. Yeah. And and two, 
that that might be linked to the same issue or, or that might be linked to to money and the funding and the exposure and popularity of the sport and the commercial viability of the sport which is the same reason that the ethical problem is becoming bigger and bigger like yeah. you talked about some of the wrong people being in yeah. positions of responsibility and i have an issue with the game's ethical code full stop and it's and it's in direct correlation with the amount of money that's involved but final thing and my evidence for this statement is why i believe in it is that i can't remember having a foden and a jack Grealish and a rashford sancho didn't even go to the world cup can't even get in the squad right bellingham's uh, these players are world they're, they're potentially world-class players right and i we have got and then listen the, and the key theme with all of them is technical all right. I agree. Who am I, who am I to bat a Jordan Henderson, like captain of Liverpool Football Club, Champions League winner? But in five years' time, we will not have a player like him in our national team. They will they will be fighting fires, right? And they will be three out of ten better technical. As long as long as people like you are giving him the emotional, psychological tools to do the job. No, no. And I was going to say, actually, the site corner is probably going to be the, 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 the cherry on the cake. But I think they're going to beat, they're going, they've got there for a reason, these kids. So, I mean, let's give these kids credit. Sometimes I don't, I'm, I'm not needed, Kev. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes these families can bring bring them that psychological safety. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a not, good family no, unit. With, yeah, 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 it's not It's not just about what we do. It's, we're, all, we're all responsible. You know, yeah. strength and conditioning coaches, um, in my opinion, the most underrated corner ever because strength and conditioning coaches are going to prevent people like me having arthritis at 45 um yeah. you know they're going to be working on functional movement functional movement links, links to your technical in a major way in terms of your foot patterns and and now we've got interventions i could let me just apply this this is massive that coaches listen to this we've got to be really careful that we say now that kid can't run right and i've got one kid in my head that i've got majorly wrong i have my p teacher's hat on right so my PE teacher's eye 10 years ago and under 14 i know he hadn't had his growth yet but i would have put a million pound on that kid not running at 25. yeah and he's now he's now a powerhouse in league one right so he's had a career so i i phoned him and i phoned his dad and i say i'm sorry i got that decision majorly wrong because i was wrong 100 percent wrong and when, when i asked him questions because i wanted to learn from a selfish point of view he basically had one-to-one snc sessions for four years and turned himself into power i'm going to just show you one more story everyone knows my work with eze right people say eze's quick i go no he's not he's powerful eze hasn't got a quick gene in his body but if you see the size of his ass and his legs now he is power yeah. Yeah, and S and C have made him a robust athlete. And he didn't have that physiological makeup before. No, 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 no. Right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, power. Jude, power. Pure power. So so yeah, the four corners now, blending them is massive. I um, after we after we finish this, I'm going to show you a, a fourth corner model I've got in in my office here, um, and we'll, uh, we'll we might carry on the conversation. I just want to touch on one thing. You came back to old school coaching, and you said that coaches are not going to 
not going to win first team games because of their ability to coach. I listened to a podcast. I love Tris Dixon's boxing podcast, a lot of boxing life stories. And, and he, he, this particular episode was with a, a Manchester-based fighter called Thomas McDonough, who was British level, fringe European. And Thomas McDonough said that Brian Hughes, his trainer, at the start of the 12th round, or between the 11th and the 12th round in his probably biggest fight, he knew he had nothing left physically. I mean, boxers go to extremes, right, in terms of physical output. And he had nothing left. And Brian Hughes, who is as old school as they come, or was as old school as they come, he's, he's, he's no longer with us, but he knew you couldn't turn it on all the time. You couldn't use this, you know, like the warm up type thing all the time. But he would get you through that final three minutes and time that the, the delivery of what he said in a way that just was that was his talent. That was his talent as a as a manager, a coach, a cornerman. And when you talk about the, the, the young coaches needing to be able to get results using something other than their coaching, how do you get how do you put that into these coaches? Well, how do you think? Experience is probably the word I'd be I would come to first. Um, mm. But but I think it's part of a natural makeup. You talk about Harry uh, Watlin, right? You said he, he's grew up on a council estate in Lewisham. He's obviously had that bit of arsehole about him since he was a very young lad. And he's been able to carry that into the environment where people need to listen to him and he needs yeah. to command their, and, their and, and his language is, is incredible. Uh, right. Just touch on Harry. Harry's, Harry's an anomaly. Uh, you know, I talk about literacy on a podcast last week, speaking, listening, reading, writing, communication. Harry won't mind me saying that his, his reading and writing ain't great, but he's a massive anomaly because his language is unbelievable. I've never right. known a coach bring, bring words to life like he does so you know when we're looking at you know you've got the know-how of of street being a street kid you've got the know-how of football you 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 can change gear when you need to because you need to change gear as a leader and so if there's any new coaches out here and i do mentor quite a lot of these a licensed kids you know what i mean i call them kids they're in their mid-20s that want my one-to-ones and they 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 are they are fresh yeah they're fresh and their coaching is brilliant. As in green. Yeah, 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 green. They, their coaching is brilliant, but they always say, what should I go and do? I go, go and work in an inner city school for a year, I swear. Just go and get, no, I mean it, Kev, go and get mugged off by kids who, who don't give a shit who you are. They just don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, did, we, did we talk off air about me getting booed? Was that on air? Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, was that off air or on air? Though? Was that no, that was off air. Right. So yeah, I got booed by a load of kids in East London for my school's project when I said I'm going to speak for 50 minutes on stage, and that was only three months ago, and it hurt me. So I've got to ride that out, and I've got to learn, and I've got to adapt, and I've got not let it show. And many managers, you know, if you just put a manager on the stage, they'd probably tell the kids to maybe fuck off, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they wouldn't like their authority being. I know, being yeah, I know I'm exaggerating a bit, but do you know what I mean? Like, I, 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 yeah, I, no, I, but I mean, I mean, but the, but the interesting thing there, though, is that you 
you, you've got the tools to deal with being booed, right? And you you won them over, and by the end of it, you probably had them eaten, eaten out, out of the palm of your hand. But a young kid goes in there, that could be that could be them them done for for months, years, yeah. tips of their confidence being shot. But, but let's apply that behaviour and that trait and that emotional control to me being in a changing room with a player disagreeing with me. Yeah. Right. What's the difference, Kev? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there you. isn't. You know, a player says, Salis, you're fucking shit, you don't know what you're doing. And yeah. I'd probably pause. I'd probably let him punch himself out with his verbals. Yeah. I'd probably say, I'm disappointed. Well, I genuinely would say that. I'm disappointed that you feel like that. And then I'd probably weird him out with the actual Salis classic. Can you tell me what the solution is then, please? And I'd say, yeah. as calm as that. Yeah. And then, and then he'd go, uh, 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 uh. And if he's if he comes up with a solution, yeah, we win genuinely. I mean that sincerely. Yeah, if, no, he no, no. Come, if he doesn't come up with a solution, then I win because I've you know sort of embarrassed him in front of his teammates with a very calm approach. And that approach I would have used in a school. And and you know people say, "What have I learned at first team level, Kev? I haven't learned anything. It's confirmed what I already knew." Right. Good. Good. I like that. No, it really is. I mean, it's sincerely, mate. It has. Yeah. No, that's that, that's probably a rarity, right? Most people who would go into there would expect to build another layer of knowledge about first team. And what you're saying is that it's just human human beings. It's just eighteen oh, or twenty. Can I just being. share one 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 story about a player though? Yeah, when I went to Cardiff, Marlon Pack, right? Yeah. Pack is an absolute legend, right? He's funny as you like. Now, Marlon Pack played for like 15 years in the champ, right? But you either heard of him or you ain't heard of him, but he's not a mainstream no, no, player, no. right? He's not mainstream. Right, that geezer is the most technical player I've ever seen with my own eyes. He doesn't lose, he doesn't, sorry, miscontrol the ball or misplace a pass in five days of training. So what I did learn is that there's certain players, and Packy would won't you won't mind me saying this, but like if he if he could really, really run. Yeah, he's playing for England. Right, that's how good he is on the ball, right? Yeah. So what I did learn is there's players in the champ that are like, oh, my God, you're unbelievable. And then that means, you know, the only thing I'm missing now, really, in my in my toolbox is Premier League, right? So I've obviously got the England experience and whatever, but I haven't got the Premier League. So when you see, you know, we hear these stories of the Prem players, they're ridiculous, aren't they? You know, so I think until you see them in training is when you go, Wow, like these players are another level to what we think they are. You know, yeah. so reflections for everyone, really. I think, yeah, just respect the level. Yeah, no, that's it. I mean, listen, listen. So, so yeah, you go to the first team to change room at Premier League level, and you probably will will pick up something. But um, bottom line is, they're going to learn as much from you as they as you would learn from them. We 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 shall see. That's that's one that's one of my few goals and dreams. You know, it's not. I don't have many, but that, that's what I would like to be. Um, that's, and, that, that's, that's on the list. It's, it's, it's definitely well, on the list. Yeah, I'm not in control of that. Um, I believe I can I can help all players at all levels, uh, all managers at all levels also. But um, where you're ahead of me on that journey already, Kev, is, is speaking Spanish, mate. And, and I know there's a couple of Premier League clubs that have sort of spoke to me and said, you know, informally before any jobs were around, do you speak Spanish? And I've said no. And they've said, well, we advise you, Mr. Salis, to start learning a language because, you know, most staff members now are bilingual or multilingual, aren't they? 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose they are, um, although although you need so many different languages, don't you? I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, you know, it's one of the reasons why we moved to Spain because we wanted to give the kids a language that would be yeah. as transferable as possible. And obviously Spanish is right up there. Number two, well spoken in the world. So yeah. So anyway, food for thought, mate. Um, I've got a lot of developing to do, pal. Loads. Haven't we all? Haven't we all? I think um, you'll continue to to do it by experiencing and by being having a a plan and a and a and be a be a be an, an academic learner as well. Whereas I'll probably continue to um, you know to just try and pick up bits and pieces on my way um, without that plan. I'm, I'd like I'd like to change. I'd like to be more more of a, a lifelong learner and a conscious lifelong learner. But um, it's been a long time to get to 44 and um, having never really appreciated that approach. Uh, I don't know if it's more the art side of things for me. I guess that I, I just pick up by doing rather than being a bit more structured about it. But anyway, this is not about self-reflection on my life and where I am in, in, in terms of my makeup. Listen, Steve, um, we're an hour and 10 minutes in. That is one of a kind in terms of, I think this is the 16th or 17th one of these I've done. Um, amazing conversation, amazing knowledge um, shared with me and with other people um, and stuff to reflect on. Um, so all I can say is I'm very grateful for you uh, giving up your time this evening um, and I'm sure that the people who listen to this will be as well. Um, yeah, that was amazing. Thanks so much, mate. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Keep up the great work, pal. Start of a friendship. Likewise, likewise, yeah. And uh, yeah, it certainly is. It certainly is. I'm going to show you the four corners when we come off air, pal. Thanks again. Thanks, bud. Take care.